Jurassic Jubilation, spooky listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to give all credit for that to Sam. She came up with Jurassic Jubilations. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky drag queen, spooky sister, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is my, my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. family. <laughs> it wasn't me that time. <laughs> I almost said my spooky Jurassic family. <laughs> something about our family that could be considered Jurassic. I mean, we all we all are sort of nuts for this movie, so. We are, and we can be quite vicious and carnivorous. <laughs> and we attack in threes. We do attack in threes. Stay out of the long grass. Um... <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this movie because this is, honest to God, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mine too. Easily in the top three. I think just like, a click behind Jaws. Yeah, it, and you know, it's funny, I never realized how into creature features you were. I don't know what it is. I just, I love a good, like, big toothy thing chasing people around. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Which is exactly what it's like at New York City Pride. Um, <laughs> especially if Bunny is there. Uh, that, that is one of my favorite things about this movie. And of course, this uh, there's no beating around the bush. We're talking about no. Jurassic Park, and nor should you beat around the bushes in Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, that will end badly for you. Especially if your name is Newman. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Jurassic Park today. This is one of our all-time favorite creature features. I think it is my all-time favorite creature feature. That's fair. Honestly, if Jaws didn't exist, I'd probably agree with you. Jaws... <sighs> I don't, I don't know. They're, they're kind of tied for me. I, like it's Jaws and, and Jurassic Park kind of on the same level because I love Jaws, but Jaws is like a very real fear for me. Whereas okay. Jurassic Park kind of allows me to remove myself a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So we're going to be talking about uh, Jurassic Park today, kids. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you're about 30 years behind. Catch up. We're going to talk about all the things we love about this movie and all the things we hope you do, too. So buckle in. We're, we're getting ready to go. How are you doing today, Sam? I didn't check in with you at all. I'm doing fine. I'm, yeah. I'm here. How are you today, Pissy? I'm okay. I, you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty... A pretty crazy week. <laughs> it, it has been, uh, it's been pretty nuts. Um, you know, we, with all the things going on around the world between coronavirus and the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, and we would like to formally say Black Lives do matter um, here yes. on My Spooky Gay Family. Absolutely. Uh, 100,000%. We are in support of the protesters uh, around the country, and we're very much hoping for some... Uh, some peace and some legislative change <laughs> to protect uh, people of color around the country. So uh, yeah, that's, 
number one. But number two, it has obviously been a very stressful week. We have a lot of friends who have been involved in protests and things like that. Um, I unfortunately have not been able to go out and participate in person uh, because I am uh, immunodeficient. <laughs> so yeah. I have not been able to go out and, and be part of a crowd. But that said, I have been very active in supporting uh, the Black Lives Matter movement on social media, and you all should too. Uh, we'll be sharing links on our social media for ways you can support the the movement online if you are unable to support in person. So please check out our social media. We'll be sharing links for all of you and ways that you can support not only George Floyd's uh, family and his community, but the entire uh, Black and queer Black community. So uh, that said... It has been a crazy week. Yeah. <laughs> it has been quite yes. a crazy week. I produced uh, the first Pissy Miles Variety Hour on Sunday. It was supposed to be Saturday, but we had some technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> but it went very well. You can check out the video on uh, my Facebook. I believe we also shared it on the My Spooky Gay Family page, right? Did we do um, that? I think you did, yes. I think I think that we did. Um, so check it out. Please feel free to uh, and enjoy it. A lot of work went into it, and we had a lot of really cool people. We had Bob the Drag Queen and Monet, Ex- uh, not Monet Exchange, Jesus Christ, Alexis Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm having a stroke. That's all it is. Uh, I, we had Alexis Michelle from RuPaul's Drag Race. We had Jasmine Rice LaBeja from the <laughs> Royal House of LaBeja in New York City. We had a very special guest named Lucy Goosey. <laughs> Whose voice you may recognize from this podcast. Uh, She is our brother, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we also had the amazing Missy Pyle, which is still really, really fucking cool. I love Missy so much. She has, you know, since everything happened with the impeachment, we, we had spoken before that a few times and we were like friendly, very like kind of like, Casually social. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after the impeachment, she had reached out to me to say how awesome she thought it was and how cool it was. And we became friends. And so we just like talk all the time. And and she is just like the funniest, sweetest person. Uh, really wonderful, lovely, lovely. I have nothing but nice things to say about her. And uh, she agreed. I was like, would you want to come sing a song with me on my show? And she was like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, this is crazy. I'm singing with Missy Pyle and she is the coolest person. I love her to death. Um, Yeah. So all of that is in the video. Come check it out. Uh, But let's not focus too much on that. We should, uh, we should probably talk about my (laughs) spooky gay family a little bit on this podcast. Um, It's okay. yeah, Yeah. So today we're talking about Jurassic Park. This we have said is obviously one of our favorite creature features. Why do you think this is one of your favorites? I think it's just, it just holds up so well. Like, and I mean, every time I watch it, it's like the first time again. I know. Like, like you, you never lose the ability. Like, this isn't a movie that I can watch while I'm like fucking around on my phone. Like I watch this movie (laughs) every time it's on. I know. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's one of those movies that never like, it never gets old to me. I never sit there and think like, oh I've seen this a million times. I won't turn it on. Like if I am flipping through the channels and it's on, I'm like, oh, Jurassic Park is on. Here we go. (laughs) Because it's so good. And not only 
not only the story and the performances and the direction and and all that, it's like the CGI in this movie has held up so well. I don't think even 30 years later, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with better CGI or effects in general. No, because like even like and I mean, when the Raptors are on screen, like you can tell that this is a computer generated thing. But like just even the way they move is so good. Like it, they yeah. don't look like they're like cookie cuttered out and placed on top of a backdrop. Like they look like they're really there. Like I don't understand. The... <laughs> I, I don't yeah, understand it... how it hasn't gotten better, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> you would think that like, if that's where we started, we should have gone to someplace uh, much better. But I will say that that's kind of, here we go. The old, the old fogies again. Um, the thing that I I find frustrating is that I think because it was the first time CGI like this was being used, they had to make it very impressive because it was like, well, we have to prove that this is something we should continue to use. And then on top of it, it was like, well, this has to match the practical effects that people are used to seeing. So there was a much more concerted effort being made to make the effects look really great quality. And now I find a lot of the time CGI, instead of adding to the experience kind of pulls me out of it. And I don't know if that's just a generational thing, like because I grew, we grew up with movies where the effects were so practical to now be in a time when the effects are very CGI. It's like, I can always look at something and be like, Oh, that was done in post. That was done in post. That was done in post. Whereas in this movie, it kind of is hard to tell. I mean, there are certain scenes where I think it's it's more obvious than others. But like, again, yeah. like when the velociraptors are like jumping all over the place and shit, like obviously, yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah, that's not a but, puppet. But, but what's what's great about this movie is that they really used the CGI to tell the story because the, all of the dinosaurs had practical versions. Yeah, like there was a practical T-Rex. There was a practical, there were practical velociraptors. And normally the the kind of rule in this movie was like, if you see part of a dinosaur, you're looking at practical effects. If you see the entire dinosaur, you're looking at CGI. That was kind of the rule that I have learned about this movie. Yeah, no, that, that definitely holds up. I mean, it would be almost impossible to make a fully practical, like full size T-Rex. Like, yeah, like, and I know like that there, they there are did... limits even for industrial light and magic. I know, <laughs> and I know that they did have a full size T Rex, but it was it was not functional the way it would need to be to make this movie. No, but that's kind of the beauty of this movie is like, I, I it's the first movie where you look at the effects and you're like, oh, wow, they really did something magical. They used the CGI to complement the practical. And that is something I would like to see more of in contemporary horror and sci-fi because I love practical effects. I can always tell when something was done like in person with, with real things and it makes the experience so much more enjoyable for me. I mean, I think that what they really did was they made dinosaurs feel real. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in a way that I haven't seen anybody else do it. And no, because we're used to like the land of the lost claymation T-Rex yeah. that for its time was excellent. And I'm sure it took a lot of really challenging work. But this is the first one where you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, this is this is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> 
like I was I was absolutely obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a little kid. I know you you know that. Like I was I, <laughs> I was one of those <laughs> I was one of those little kids who like was absolutely obsessed. Like I could I could say Paracephalosaurus before I could say like motorcycle. <laughs> tickle tickle. <laughs> yeah, that's Zach, not me. Zach, our, our nephew, uh, when he was little, and he could not say motorcycle, but he he called it a tickle tickle. <laughs> <laughs> but so point, one day when he can listen to this he's going no, no. to hate us <laughs> if he doesn't hate us already no he doesn't hate us but he will <laughs> when he Someday. sees who we really are do you ever have that thought do you ever think like when we were little it was like we had this idea of who our aunts and uncles were and who like the adults in our life were and then you get older and you realize that like they were treating you like a child and then there's like this whole other side of them. Not a bad side, but like that you have to like almost re get to know, get them. To know yeah. them. And I'm like, wow, we're almost at the point where Zach is going to be re getting to know us. Like the first time Zach hears me say, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would be the first time, frankly. Well, no, probably not. I mean, I I know I've slipped a few times. I don't know if I've ever said fuck. I've definitely said some other choice words by accident. Mima was the worst. Yeah, if no, Zach, our grandmother used to. <laughs> if Zach wasn't there, she'd be like, hell's bells. But Zach came around, she was like, cocksucker motherfucker. It was like, <laughs> it was like, Mima, <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but if there was anything that was going to make me scream, uh, cocksucker motherfucker, let's talk about how horrifying this movie is. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, this movie is iconic for a million reasons. Why do you think that this movie has like become such an iconic movie? I think it's because it's the, it's the first time that we really see like what special effects can really do. It's kind of getting back to what I was saying before, where it's like they made the dinosaurs feel real. Like that first shot where they're pulling up in the Jeep and the Brachiosaurus is behind them. <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> I still get like chills when I watch it because I'm sitting here going like, that is a real animal. That is a real thing that is standing right there. <laughs> like, I know it's CGI. I know that they I made know. it in a computer, but like, it looks so good. I know. And, it looks and it's like, magical. It's, it's such a magical, magical. moment. Especially because of, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, John Williams. <laughs> well, yes, clearly. Isn't it funny? You know, I wasn't even thinking about this. Steven Spielberg made our two favorite creature features, Jaws and Jurassic Park. And on top of it, um, John Williams was the composer for both. So these two have made magic that has become legendary i mean yeah it's not, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know like i i feel like it's such a such a rote thing to say at this point that it's like john williams and steven spielberg are masters of everything but i know and clearly they are yeah i mean it, it kind of goes without saying their work speaks for itself and i was because i was saying this to david the other day that he was like, he was like, oh, John Williams did the score for that. Oh, John Williams did the score for that. And I'm like, think of any, think of any theme song that is ba that is iconic, and like nine out of ten chance, John Williams wrote it. <laughs> nine out of ten chance, especially nine if it out of ten chance. 
basically any time between like 1970 and like 2000. If it's iconic, it was John Williams. Even into the 2000s, you know, we have the Harry Potter movies where John Williams, the still was iconic. Was that John Williams? Oh, I yeah. That, okay. Nope, that's John Williams. I'm yep. next to positive. I mean, we could do a little research, but I'm pretty sure that it was John Williams who wrote the Harry Potter theme, right? It's okay. I believe you. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up for my own for my own selfish uh, edification. Yeah, it was John Williams. Okay. <clears throat> John of Williams. It was John Williams. The music of the Harry Potter film series was recorded and released in conjunction with the post-production and releases of each of the eight corresponding films. That's a very technical response for Wikipedia. Really the, scores were, <laughs> the scores were composed by John Williams, Patrick Doyle, Nicholas Hooper, and Alexandra... Oh, Alexandra Desplat. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Alexandra Desplat? I was like, who the fuck is that? Um, yes, so John Williams was the original... Uh, composer of the score and then I suppose in subsequent films other composers were brought on to do arrangements yeah well I guess it, it doesn't matter as long as you know that that's that's John Williams that's all you really need to know <laughs> <laughs> but John Williams is the mastermind who created the Jurassic Park theme that da 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 I could sit here all day and sing that theme. Poor David. <laughs> Every time, if David walks into the room and Jurassic Park is on, he just like looks at the TV and then walks into the bedroom and turns on the office. Oh, I'm no. like, <laughs> he is so, t I've probably watched it. Like we've lived in this apartment for, I think this year will be our fourth year. And uh, we have, I've watched that movie at least 3,000 times in this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched it more than any other movie. Um, and it's because I love it so much. And it's like that moment you were talking about when the, when the Jeep pulls up and you see the dinosaurs in the background and you have that musical swell. It just is like the perfect combination of visuals and emotion and music and it just tells the story in such a unique way that is impossible to replicate by someone who is not Steven Spielberg and John Williams. Also I just love Laura Dern's face when he like turns her head and she sees it for the first time and she just does that her mouth just drops open completely and she just She's completely transfixed. Like, I love that I whole, know. whole bit. Laura Dern is fantastic. Let's start there. Laura, Laura Dern, Dern is fantastic. Is fantastic. She plays Ellie Sattler in this movie. The uh what what is her technical title? The bio She's a she's pa a paleobotanist. Paleobotanist. Um and that means that she uh she researches uh paleolithic plants, basically. It's like a paleontologist, but for plants. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I'm going to use a lot of scientific terms today that I don't know the meaning of, but I'm going <laughs> to sound very impressive doing it. That's my intent. <laughs> that is my intention for the next hour. <laughs> it's just to sound like I know a lot about something that I know very little about. Um, and she, she is. She is. Laura Dern is such a skilled actor. She is capable of doing such... Like the scene in the dining room when she's eating ice cream with uh, Hammond, it's yeah. like moments like that are really what grounded this movie and made it so good because it's like 
they all made such a strong emotional commitment to this movie. And it, it was important to the success of the movie because the reactions were so real that it, it made it real for the viewer, which I think is what falls short in some contemporary creature features. I think so too. I think when you have an actor reacting to a tennis ball on a stick and the tennis ball on a stick isn't really getting the reaction that you need them to get. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's not because it, the, the special effects only sell it halfway. You have to believe that the humans are seeing this stuff. Exactly. And that was, I remember when the Phantom Menace came out, I remember Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor both saying that one of the most frustrating things about making the movie was that basically the entire movie was done performing for tennis balls on sticks. And they were like, well, how do you react to something that isn't there at all? And it's like, you have, you, it's not even like someone says to you, okay, there's a lion over there and you can picture a lion and you can know what it does and you can know the actions. It's like, this is sci-fi. So it could be anything. It could look like anything. And uh, you're trying to react to something that isn't there at all. And that's why the practical effects were so good in this movie, because all the actors knew what was chasing them. <laughs> yes, and probably had nightmares about it for weeks, because I know I would. Do you ever have that feeling when you're watching a horror movie that, like, sometimes I wonder, because I I am a trained actor. I went to school for musical theater, and I have performed in many different kinds of productions. And I'm like, I don't know if there are certain kinds of horror movies. I think I would really struggle to make because I would be putting myself in a situation where I'm forced to imagine myself in a real situation with this thing. And it would scare the shit out of me. I mean, I can see that. I think not being an actor, I have <laughs> wondered on several occasions, how the hell, like, I have no idea how the hell Tiffany Shepis does anything because she she does some like off the wall horror movies, and like if you hear her talk about it on her podcast, she'll tell you it's all a lot of fun. But yeah. like I, I sit here going like yeah, but like you're still like running through a swamp and there's a guy with an axe behind you. Like, aren't you ever freaked out? Like, like isn't that visual enough to really panic you? Yeah, like, isn't that enough? Like, <laughs> granted, it's your good friend Kane, but like, you know, it's still know. that kind of like. <laughs> Her good friend Kane, Kane Hodder. Um, yeah, I think dinosaurs, I think dinosaurs would be scary. If I'm being honest, the kind of movie I think that like, if they said we will pay you $10 million to do this, but it's a shark movie. <laughs> I think I would really have to consider it. Honestly, though, like the idea of like being in the water with a mechanical shark is so horrifying to me because it's like one of my most legitimate fears that I think my brain would have a hard time separating fiction from reality and I would probably panic. Well, the good news is, is there <clears throat> wouldn't be a mechanical shark because they would just be CGI. It would just be CGI. I, I know. <laughs> That's the that's the most infuriating part about it. It's like, I mean, for $10 million, I would get in the water and pretend there was something in it. But um, like you look at a movie like Deep Blue Sea or Jaws or one of those movies that used the mechanical sharks, like, I don't think I could have played Quint. <laughs> 
That would be next to impossible for me. I mean, I would just be worried about the machinery not working correctly and like getting well, crushed to death. Too. Like, like yeah. forget <laughs> the fact that it's shaped like a shark. I know that too. But um, yeah, I would not want to see that face coming out of the water with me in its eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, dead eyes. Um, but Jurassic Park, yes, Jurassic Park. <laughs> but anyways, Jurassic Park. Um, Jurassic Park is iconic. And I think I think it's very much for the reason you said that it kind of is magical. It has these magical moments. And it is effective not only in conveying the magic of the idea of this park, but also the horror of the, re- like the reality of what the horror would be to be trapped in it. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I think it's... I mean, some of this is also just the strength of Michael Crichton's novel, mm. but I mean, I think that what you're gonna get mad at me when I say what I'm gonna say. You did. You didn't <laughs> like the book, did you? It's not that I didn't like it. I just didn't love it. That's fine. You don't have to love it. <laughs> you should see I'm her just... eye twitching right now on on Facetime. Uh, I I just felt like. It lacked the wonder and the actual suspense that the movie had. I think it's a bit more technical than the movie. Like there, there's also there's certain things that you can do on film that you just can't do on a written page. Like you can't have that brachiosaur moment in a paragraph. You know, like you can't create that for the reader. I mean, yeah, I guess to a certain extent that's true, but. I I don't know. For me, my real problem with the book was that Michael Crichton, and and this is the only, this is admittedly the only Michael Crichton book I've ever read. I had a big problem with the fact that he would be like chromosomes and ribosomes and blah. Oh, and there's, there's a T-Rex and, and the DNA, the, the mosquitoes and the, the, you have to extract. Oh yeah. And there's a velociraptor. And by the way, there's the, the, the science and the science and, and yes, there are dinosaurs here. And it's like, I'm not really listening to this to learn about DNA theory and, and like the science behind what it would actually take to create a dinosaur. I'm, I'm, reading this because I want to get lost in an interesting story. And sometimes I felt like he just kind of failed to give me that. So what you're saying is you don't like the science part of science fiction. Basically (laughs) it's, and it, but it's not even that like, it's not even that the science was in it. It just felt like the whole book was about the science of the dinosaurs. And it's like, I, uh, we get it like that that is the that is what michael crichton is most interested in and i get that but i felt like the story of the book kind of took a hit for it well he didn't have mr dna to helpfully explain everything so you have to give him some <laughs> you have to give him a little bit of leeway i mean he could have done it in one chapter it didn't have to be the whole fucking book we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one that's fine I just, it just, it lacked the magic for me that the movie had because it it wasn't as like wonderful. You know what I mean? I kind of went into it and I don't know if it's just because I had seen the movie already at this point, but I went into it and it's like Steven Spielberg really managed to create a situation where it was like 
it was like wondrous. It's like these gates open and you have no idea what's about to happen. Whereas in the book, it just doesn't feel as like momentous that they're doing this. It doesn't feel as important. It doesn't feel as like I I didn't get a good idea of why John Hammond wanted to make Jurassic Park in the book. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> You're like, this is the end of my spooky gay family. We're done. No, it's not. It's not. I, I, I happen to love the novel, but that's okay. I like it. I don't love it. That's okay. You don't have to. I'll try reading it again, I guess. Also, by the way, um, I can't afford an Audible prescri- prescription subscription. I can't afford an Audible prescription either. Um, an Audible subscription. So I've been trying to listen to The Haunting of Hill House, and I can't find an audiobook anywhere. I could just lend you like a paper copy, and you could read it. I mean, I was able to find a paper copy through a subscription service I already had, but I really, I usually prefer to listen to books because I'm usually doing it while I'm doing something else. Like I'll be, I'll be painting my face and listening to a book. Maybe that's what I should do for Jurassic Park. Maybe I should hear someone read it. Maybe it would make it more magical for me. Maybe. Do you have like a favorite part in the movie? Like, is there a moment in the movie that you're like, wow, this is better than the book? The first time you see the T-Rex. Like, again, I was a small child who was obsessed with dinosaurs, and the Tyrannosaurus (laughs) Rex was my favorite dinosaur in the world. How old were you when this came out? What year did it come out? Like eight? I think it was 1993. If it was 93, then yeah, I was like, I was eight years old. I can't, I can't remember. um, I can't, I want to say that I was five when it came out. I think you were five because you were the reason we had to leave the movie theater I halfway through the halfway through the film. I knew you were going to bring that up too. <laughs> I'm still angry about this. No, he freaked out at the Dilophosaurus scene, and we had to leave. I had to come back later with a different parent to finish watching this movie. That was a scary fucking scene. It was a scary fucking scene, and you were five years old, and it's totally fine. And I'll eventually get over it sometime when we're sixty. <laughs> I doubt that. I think you will hold on to this forever. It's the last thing I'm going to say to you before I die. Is <laughs> Her last words are Dilophosaurus. <laughs> Dilophosaurus. <gasps> <laughs> Sam withers into the ether with the, her last words being about her resentment <laughs> for the Dilophosaurus. <laughs> no, but um, no, the first time you see the T-Rex, like even it's and you only see the head the first time you see it. It's because it's like knocking back the goat like it's an oyster shot. Well, technically, the first time you see it, you see its hand, its little hand. Yeah, that's true. It's a little tiny hand. <laughs> it just reaches up and boyoings the, yeah. <laughs> the electric wire. Boy-o-yoing. It's like, ooh. <laughs> But then, like, the cables snap, and it starts walking out into the middle of the road, and, like, you get, like, just the headlight view of it. Mm -hmm. Because I remember, like, the thing that scared me more than anything else in this movie, it's such a a little moment, but it's so perfect, is when um, Tim and Lex are holding the... the flashlight up, and it puts its eye right there, and And the the pupil dilates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or it shrinks, the pupil shrinks. It shrinks, yeah. And... It's so, like, the attention to detail that made these dinosaurs so real 
is what made it so terrifying. Right? Like, that should not be a scary moment. But at the same time, like, you watch that and it's just like, oh, holy shit, that thing is real and it's about to eat those two children. Yeah, and those kids are fucked. (laughs) Like, like, that thing is real and we are all going to die. I can't tell you how many times Bob and I will be, like, playing Stardew Valley or something and he'll be running... Uh, back to the farm and he'll have his, his glow light on and I'll be like, turn the light off. <laughs> <laughs> and he always laughs because it's like, this is a surprisingly quotable movie. I mean, especially when like, I think the one that we do the most is Laura Dern just going run at the run. end. It's, like, it's, it's, it's literally one word. It is like a throwaway moment completely. But for some reason, that is the funniest shit that has ever been. I know. Been. <laughs> what is Samuel L. Jackson's character's name? Uh, Mr. Arnold, I believe. Mr. Arnold. I love when she when she's like, Mr. Arnold, I think we're back in business. And then she turns around. She's just holding his arm. And the velociraptor <laughs> comes through and she's like, <laughs> Well, wouldn't it you? <laughs> I, I would probably let go of the arm. Probably a little faster than she did, yeah. Yeah. Also, that Velociraptor had some great timing. How long was he sitting behind, or she, I should say, how long was she sitting behind the wires, like holding the arm, being like, okay, she's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready, Mr. Arnold? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, she turns around and finally the Velociraptor is like, my time has come. (laughs) It's like, wait, I need to wait for her to say something hopeful. Hold on. I know. (laughs) Hold, please. And go. Oh, it didn't work. Back to one. Back to one. (laughs) Um, Yes, the velociraptors are probably probably the scariest part of the movie because they are the most diabolical. They're the they're the most they're they're the ones that are hunting you. You know, like the T Rex. If you stumble into his path, you might be in trouble, but it's not looking for you. The T-Rex is the dinosaur that I imagine if things had just been like slightly different, he would have had googly eyes. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like the T-Rex was the one that was like dopey, but big. And so it was just like. She's not dopey. She's just not concerned with. She's a little dopey. We're like popcorn chicken to that thing. It's not concerned with us. (laughs) It was pretty concerned in the movie. It was concerned with like Gennaro, but like. Well, yeah, everyone was concerned with Gennaro. He is, spoiler alert, my saddest death in this entire movie. Saddest? Gennaro? Yeah. I is just I misheard you. Yeah, saddest. Okay. Is it, he's the hunter, right? Gennaro? No, Gennaro's the lawyer. Are you sure? Yeah. Muldoon <laughs> is the hunter. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Then I don't care about Gennaro. Gennaro can die in in the mouth. But uh, (laughs) I, (laughs) I was very, I was very upset about Muldoon. Muldoon is sad because like he's known the whole time. Like there's like, like he's captain, like, you know, the first time you see him is they should all be destroyed. Like (laughs) he knows perfectly well what's happening. He is Cassandra, Princess of Troy. and then... He really is. And it's like, why did you take this job? You knew what was going to happen. That is a really good question. I'm assuming it's because Hammond paid him like a shit ton of money. I Yeah, he spared no expense. I mean, he had to have paid this guy just millions of dollars. I mean, you would have to. How would you convince someone to run this park if you weren't paying them a hefty amount of money? 
Could you imagine being the guy who's responsible for figuring out how these animals act? Like you have to do all kinds of, of research in a very short amount of time to figure out how to handle these animals because there is no precedent. Yeah. And on top of that, you don't even know what some of them are capable of. Like when they do that cute little thing with the CD-ROM, where they're, they're saying we've now learned that it's poisonous and it spits its venom at its prey. They're talking about the Dilophosaurus. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so some motherfucker had to find that out. so like you feel bad for the guy who got the raptor at the beginning of this movie like imagine the poor schmuck who found out that those things spit poison (laughs) the the poor motherfucker who was like this guy's cute and then it was like (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness do you have a part of the movie that scares you still to this day yeah, I think I'm still down for when the kids are in the the, the Jeep and the T-Rex is kind of like when he comes through the roof mm. and they're just sitting there and they've got like a pane of glass in between them and yeah, just, <laughs> just being completely and utterly fucked. Like <laughs> I have heard and I don't know if it's true because it seems very unlikely to me that the glass was not supposed to break. I don't think that's true. I don't think that could be true. I don't think they would have reacted that way if it wasn't supposed to break, you know, like, yeah. Could you imagine being one of those like little kid actors? I have to imagine they had stunt stunt doubles in for them for at least parts of those scenes. I would think for at least that scene, they were stunt doubles, right? I would have to think the dinosaur is coming down at you because that would be horrifying for a child. Yeah. Because Tim is what, like like 10? Maybe. Yeah. I can't imagine, I, like, I can't even imagine as an adult. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh, oh, you want me to do the fuck what now? <laughs> that the thing fuck would- you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, again, just based on the possibility of mechanical malfunction, no fucking way. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think that the T-Rex face did not fit in the car. So- yeah, I know. The good news is you probably would be all right, even in the event of a malfunction. However, just the sight of that giant mouth coming down at me, I think, would be more than enough. <laughs> I think that would be enough it's to do just... me in. <laughs> little um, little wet pants moment for those probably. stunt doubles, probably. A big wet pants moment. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that for me, because the T-Rex moment, the first T-Rex moment, has always been one of my very favorite parts in the entire movie. But I think the scariest... It's hard to say. One is the scene with Sattler in the the basement, the electric engineer room. Yeah. You know what I mean? When she's being chased by the rap. By the yeah, the shed when she's being mm-hmm. chased by the raptor, um, especially because leading up to her getting into the shed, Muldoon lets her know like twenty yards before she's there that they're being hunted. <laughs> yeah, um, and then she finally gets inside, and they're inside as well. So it's like the Velociraptors scared the shit out of me, especially because of the way they're described as killing you. It's like terrifying (laughs) yeah that Um, whole sequence does have a point in the beginning when he's like fucking with that little kid that's that's really just to let the audience know it's like yeah no it would be bad if the velociraptor catches up with them 
(laughs) (laughs) To be fair, though, if I was Grant, I probably would have said the same thing. I'm not a big fan of children. Yes, we know you said (laughs) And I would love nothing better than to be like, well, this velociraptor is going to tear you in half and eat you while you're alive. (laughs) (laughs) And look, here I have this handy fossil that I have here for demonstrating that I'm going to actually rake across this child's knees and the parents aren't going to say a damn thing. Not a fucking word. That was the difference between the 90s and now. (laughs) In the 90s, parents were like, yes, teach him. (laughs) <laughs> learn a lesson timmy um yeah i i think that is one of my most scary moments and the other one is obviously the dilophosaurus the dilophosaurus is good i think my second one if i have to pick a second one is the velociraptors in the kitchen with the kids mm, that is a very scary moment and it's again very a tense. very well done moment it's very tense but it's because again of the brilliance of Steven Spielberg, because he, I, I, I don't have enough nice things to say about Steven Spielberg's production of this movie because he made that scene so scary and so effective because it's like, how many movies have we seen where someone is quote unquote getting hunted? But it's like in this one, you really feel it. Like, especially when she's, when she's in that stupid little cubby hole and she's trying to like pull the, yeah. The cover down and she can't get it to move. And the Velociraptor's just running at it. And it turns out to be the reflection, of course, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of brilliant. But at the same time, like, I'm watching it. I watched it before we did this episode. I watched it just to sort of refresh myself. And mm-hmm. I still get very, like, uptight during that sequence. Well, because... For a solid three seconds, you're like, oh, that's the end of her life. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and you think you see it coming. And then obviously it is it is not quite. Also, Timmy running into the freezer is quite scary. Yeah, especially because he's like slipping on the ice and all the other shit. Like, I know. The velociraptors are just like the scariest fucking things. Like even, even when Grant and Sattler and the two kids get into the computer control room and then grant goes like uh the doors won't lock ellie the doors and then he looks up and the velociraptor is just like staring at him through the window (laughs) and it's like god why are you so fucking creepy (laughs) (laughs) they do have amazing timing they have amazing timing they have a flair for dramatics they do they were the gayest fucking dinosaurs (laughs) so fucking flamboyant and dramatic They just make me want to light myself on fire. <laughs> I've been rewatching Arrested Development, by the way. Um, yes. So I will say that my scariest moments often involve the Velociraptors, and if not the Velociraptors, the Dilophosaurus. Are you still really scared of the Dilophosaurus? It's just unsettling because it changes so rapidly. Is it just is it just the when it, when the neck fans out and he starts like hissing? Is that what? Yeah, but it's not even hissing. It's like screaming. <laughs> it's not a growl. It's not a it's not a yelp. It's like a like this animal is screaming at you. <laughs> like before you die, it's like getting in a fight with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Oh god. <laughs> That is my favorite kill, I think, in the entire movie. It's a it's a fantastic kill. I mean, if we want to look at this like a slasher movie, I mean, it's definitely the 
it's the strangest kill and therefore the best kill. And it's also the campiest kill. Yeah. Because when Newman is down, like, trying to put the wire around the tree, and you see the Dilophosaurus, like, peek out from behind, and it's like, and it sounds like (laughs) Kevin from Up. (laughs) That's what the Dilophosaurus is. It's like the demented Kevin from Up. (laughs) (laughs) I think it actually makes that noise. It does. <laughs> it just like peeks around the tree and it's like, here I am. And then Newman's like, huh? And it's gone. And then it's like the other side, it's like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> and he's like, oh, all right. That's nice. <laughs> like it is the funniest scene in the whole movie. And I mean, the funny thing is, is he reacts, I think, probably exactly the same way that I would. Yeah. Which I is to just be like, okay, that's great. This is happening. Walking away. <laughs> and we're done. Oh, you're not so scary. You're not like your brothers. Yeah, I don't know if I would have gone that far. I think I probably would not have gone quite that far. Yeah, I I don't think I would have stopped moving. No, but when he tries to get it to play fetch is kind of one of my favorite moments in the movie. It's just stick, stick, see the stick, 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 stick stupid. stupid. <laughs> no wonder you're extinct. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This movie is so quotable, especially, obviously, Newman. Dennis Nedry is one of those characters <laughs> that, like, <laughs> you, love to, you love to hate him from the minute you see him, and but you're still kind of weirdly sad when he dies. Yeah, because he's a fucking douchebag the whole movie. But then when he dies, it's like, oh, that's kind of sad. I was really enjoying your douchebag. <laughs> oh, but you were such good comic relief. <clears throat> I know. And... He has, like, some of the best lines, like the Dodgson. We got Dodgson here. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) It's so good. I really hate that man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I I do hate him, but I love him as well. And the funny thing is, is you're supposed to hate Hammond, but you don't really hate Hammond either. Like, by the end of the movie. They make him a little bit too lovable, I think, in this movie. And I guess it's that, like, he learns his lesson, so to speak. But I do think that, poetically, he probably should have died. Technically, yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Like, if we want to look at it as a morality play, yes, he probably should have died. I think that there's... I think that there's some value in the fact that this this movie doesn't have that many kills. It's really just it's really just three, four if you count the guy in the beginning. Is it? Yeah, because it's Gennaro, Muldoon, Nedry, and the yeah, guy in the the, the, guy, the guy in, in the, the beginning. beginning. Huh? Everybody else makes it out. I never thought of that. Even the lawyer. Well, no, the lawyer. Or not dies. the not the lawyer. Uh, the chaotician. Yeah, Chaos-tician. even even Jeff Goldblum, who we haven't even talked about yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dinosaur doctor. Oh, you haven't watched any of the new season of Drag Race, have you? No, I haven't. Oh, Jeff Goldblum guest judges in oh, one episode, okay. and they do like a political debate, and um, Jada Essence Hall, one of the contestants, uh, <laughs> at one point, someone says that like Jeff Goldblum is is. Like the they make a bad joke trying to say like oh what you just said is the reason uh, people are so uninformed in the country right now and people the, all the other contestants who are playing 
political um, debaters are like, and you just hear Jada Essence Hall go, he's a dinosaur doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the funniest things in the whole season. Um, But he is not a dinosaur doctor. He is a chaotician. 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 You had it right. Listen, I told you I was going to say some very smart things today. Yes. Um, So... Let's talk a little bit about Jeff Goldblum for a second. (laughs) 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 That that weird laugh he does. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, I I do the fucking, and now I'm sitting here by myself uh, talking to myself. That's, that's, (laughs) I do that constantly. Like the, the, the second that I realize that people aren't paying attention and I've been talking, it's like, okay, this is just where I am. You are Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I have a hard time believing that. That's fair. If nothing else, like, I always have a hard time believing that he's supposed to be, like, the 90s were a weird time for the sex symbol thing. Like, the idea that, like, he's supposed to be, the like, kind of irresistible is kind of funny to me because it's fucking Jeff Goldblum. I'm going to say something, and I know it's going to sound crazy. I think Jeff Goldblum is very attractive. That's fine. You can think that. I don't think he's unattractive. <laughs> I, I just, think he's a good-looking guy. I just th- think, like, of all the guys in the world, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I mean, he was. I thought he was very attractive. I think his personality is the thing that's so strange. But it's also one of the most endearing things about him. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's phenomenal. Um and I, th- I really loved him in this movie because he took a character that could otherwise have been pretty forgettable, honestly. Like and he really could have unlikable. Been, yeah, he could have been a very unlikable character, but you really love Ian Malcolm in this movie. <laughs> you can't help it because he's so like funny and strange. He's like a John Waters character. <laughs> and he's like, he's completely off the wall, like... And but then he does like some brave things and some smart things. And it's like, you're a completely rounded person. That's so weird. Like, this is a creature feature. You're not (laughs) supposed to be a completely rounded person. Because he has these he has this kind of balance of being off the wall, eccentric and weird and being very grounded, like in the in the scene with the T-Rex. Even as he is eccentric, he is afraid and he is reacting very legitimately to the threat in front of him and though he makes a very bad decision <clears throat> ultimately yeah. he it's believable and i think that that is what makes an eccentric character like that so lovable is that every once in a while there has to be some kind of lovable real moment about them and he certainly accomplishes it he does i i'm still my i think my favorite thing about Jeff Goldblum in this movie is the fact that he is the other half of the comic relief. Yeah. It's him and Newman. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Dennis Nedry. But the whole, like, that is one big pile of shit. (laughs) Dinosaur droppings? Droppings? (laughs) (laughs) Must go faster. Must go faster. (laughs) That chase scene is also one of the scariest parts in the entire movie. The chase scene is great, if for no other reason than watching the, the fucking objects in mirror may be closer than they appear. 
bit yeah. that they do is just it's like it's such a stupid joke, but I laugh at I it every single time. I know. Did you ever see the the YouTube video where someone replaced the T-Rex with Pee-wee Herman? No, I didn't. It's very funny. You should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> he's chasing it. He's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> he's on his bike. Uh, what's the what's the bike's name? I can't remember oh, off the I top of my know. head. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I will say the T-Rex is probably my favorite dinosaur in the whole movie if i'm being honest i mean it's mine too for obvious reasons because t-rexes are my favorite dinosaur so in general nothing has been sadder to me than when like modern science has been like well the allosaur is really more uh dangerous and there's these other dinosaurs that were more dangerous and t-rex was basically just a big dopey bird and you're like "Mm." (laughs) That's sad. That ruined all of my all of my preconceived like, notions about this It's a scavenger. Dinosaur. It's a giant chicken, essentially, and it's, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, well, crap. Like <laughs> the T Rex was just a much bigger, dopier Kevin. Apparently. <laughs> Imagine if that was the sound it made. I don't know. I think I prefer the. I'm not even going to attempt to like simulate the roar that it does in Jurassic Park. I'm not even going to try. There is a um there's a video online that like using the bone structure of the T-Rex skull they've kind of hypothesized what they actually think the T-Rex would sound like and it was like a low rumble and it's actually really creepy it's a it's a, a video on YouTube you should look it up maybe we'll share the link if we can remember um to, <laughs> <laughs> to this video because it's it is like really kind of it's spooky if I'm being it's honest. unsettling. Yeah, because it's just this very low, like, I, I, I can't even mimic it. It's very, very, um, it's very, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just a really creepy video. I'll share it on our social media because uh, I actually just found it on YouTube. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I will share the link on our social media tomorrow. And it's, it's not a growl. It's just a very low, like, I can't, I can't, like, <laughs> I can't do it, but I'll, I'll, I'll share the video with you all. <laughs> but I did like, one thing I will give this movie is that like, as much as I complain about the science from Michael Crichton is that I like that Grant really points out the more modern take on what dinosaurs were and that they actually are probably more closely related to birds than they are to lizards. And modern science has only continued to prove that theory based on what they've found. Yeah, no, that take isn't exactly controversial anymore. No, not at all. It's pretty... Velociraptors had feathers, almost, almost certainly. Yeah, most of the dinosaurs probably yeah. had feathers. They um I just recently was looking at an article where they basically found a mummified dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Yeah, no, I did. And it's crazy to look at. And I mean, it is like a plated, it looks like what you would see in like Jurassic Park. But it it's so crazy. Like this thing was so well preserved for millions of years that like the organs are actually intact inside the animal. I mean, they're fossilized, but they are intact. You know what I mean? Um, 
and it's such a crazy thing to think about. It, it it's just crazy in general to try and just don't let Jeff Bezos anywhere near it, or we're going to end up yeah, with an actual. Like, <laughs> or what's his name, uh, uh, Elon Musk? Yeah, seriously, we'll end up with I actual don't... Jurassic Park. I know. Could you fucking imagine? I could. <laughs> Actually, that's a good place to get to our our ending hypothetical. I know it that is. we only we 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 didn't do a super deep dive into Jurassic Park, but I like the things we talked about. I think it, they were the most important things. Um, this is as good a place as any to go to our hypothetical, which is a very good one that you've come up with. Um, if Jurassic Park was real and the park was open, and this is all assuming that you, that none of the things in this movie had ever happened, would you go? I want to say that I wouldn't because I would recognize the inherent danger, but I'm an idiot and I would be their opening day with bells on. Like <laughs> I would be like the first person in line. I would shove the small children out of the way. I would be there in a heartbeat. I am going to actually even go a step further and say like, I would not even think twice about it. I would, I would go because especially if we did not have the context of something like this film, it would be like, well, they would have done everything they could to make this place safe. So I'm going to trust that and I'm going to go because so, this so is something I'll... we would both die. I would be dead in the first 10 minutes, not even 10. I'd be the first one dead. I'd be the one dying before the credits. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who I would be in a Jurassic Park movie. But it's because I would know that there was no other way for me to see something like this in my life. No, and like... I can't even I can't even put words to like how badly I would want to see a dinosaur. Like I can't exactly. Even, I can't even think of like a clever way to say it. If there was a T Rex alive and on the Earth, I would want to see it from a distance. But I would <laughs> want to see Midler's it. Once said, yeah, from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would not want to be anywhere near it and I wouldn't want it to be in the wild but I would want to see it in a zoo hell yeah and I would watch it eat goats for like three hours probably you wouldn't be able to get me out of that enclosure <laughs> Sam just keeps pressing the goat button she's like eat the goat eat the goat eat the goat we just lost every vegan listener <laughs> we've ever had um yes what's the matter I would... kid you never had lamb chops <laughs> I happen to be a vegetarian um Let's say before we go, I do want to comment on how much I love the the child actors in this movie. Yeah, no, they both do Lexi a really good Tim. job. They are both excellent and really give astonishingly good performances for people their age because it's very difficult to be convincing as a child actor because you're basically playing with every stereotype you can muster. <laughs> um yeah. and I think that's kind of the beauty of this movie is that the children really remain very real and innocent in a lot of ways. And that is part of what makes it so scary because the adults aren't just caring for themselves. They're caring for these two defenseless children who are stuck in a situation that is horrifying. Who then do a pretty good job of defending themselves when they absolutely have to. Yeah, I better than some of the adults. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm actually really glad that we discussed this movie because there's an argument that could be made to say that this doesn't really fall under the criteria of our podcast, but I, I'm glad that we get to prove that it really, truly does because this is a horrifying movie. Of course it does. Like it's, it's a creature feature at the end of the day. Like it's an adventure movie. It's a beautiful piece of cinema, but at its Mm -hmm. core heart of it, it's a creature feature. Yeah. So it totally, totally belongs. Do you agree with people who say that sci-fi is not the same as horror? I mean, there are certain flavors of sci-fi that that's absolutely true. Yeah. But since a lot of sci-fi is cautionary, there's a lot of there's a lot of bleed over. Yeah, because it's supposed to scare you of what I could mean, happen. how how the hell could you look at something like Alien and say that it's not also a horror movie? <laughs> you know, like I know. <clears throat> Yeah, I will I will say that um I will say that I personally believe that most sci-fi does bleed into horror and uh I'm kind of glad it does because there are there's a lot of sci-fi I really appreciate. Although there's some sci-fi that does not really do much for me. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and also I will say that there is some sci-fi that is not at all horror and that includes the entire Star Wars, uh, cinema scape. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's, you can't even say trilogy anymore or trilogies. I, know. I was going to say trilogy and then I was like, well, it's not a trilogy. And I was like, series, I guess it's a series. I'm just going to say like all of the shit that encompasses Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a landscape. Um, well, that's it. That's it for Jurassic Park. Kids, if there's a part we missed or if there's a joke uh, we didn't catch of Ian Malcolm's, please feel free to write to us and let us know uh, what your favorite parts of Jurassic Park are or what your favorite elements of Jurassic Park are. Um, that's it for us. Until next week, stay spoopy and remember. You got time. You got time. You can do it. Do it. Come on, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Jurassic Park, distributed by Universal Pictures 1993. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel Productions.